0: I wondering.
1: Live from the Mecca of Mormonism, Salt Lake City, Utah. This is Heart of the Matter. I'm Sean McCraney, your host. Listen, if you have family or friends who can't watch the show through broadcast TV or cable, have them go online to www.bornagainmormon.com, and they can click on the TV show, watch the show live through streaming video, and they can see it from anywhere in the world. In the house tonight, they tell me, they're not the biggest audience, but they say they're the best looking, and I would have to agree. We have Mary Ellen Douglas, Kara Brandon Eileen, Rich, and Ellen, Glenn Sr. and Glenn, Schult- Glenn Jr. We have Lane, we have Tyler from Tooele, we have Dan and Jed, we have Margaret and Catherine, and if I missed anybody else, my apologies. want to extend an invitation to you, especially if you have been LDS and are now feeling a- a distant from God to go to church this week, to go to a Christian church this week. Pick yourself up out of bed, and there's got to be a Christian church around you somewhere in this state, or in Idaho, if you're watching from there, or in Florida, if you're watching from there. And uh, go find a Christian church and start going. Now, if you're looking for a church and you live in this area, Let me offer to you Lord's word. We meet every Sunday morning at the Gateway Theaters in downtown Salt Lake City at 915, 915 to 1015 AM. It's, uh, we worship, we pray, and we read the word verse by verse. So if you're looking for a place to uh, learn the Bible, you're always welcome there. We also meet at the University of Utah uh, on Sunday evenings. Do not leave your home church if you already belong to one here in Utah. It, this is just for people who are looking for a place to, uh, to start a, a new relationship with the Lord. So we'd love to see you. If not us, go somewhere. Go to a Christian church that teaches the word. And that's the message to start off tonight. I was a born-again Mormon. It's the book that uh, quote-unquote started it all. Available at Oasis Books in Logan, Sam Willers in Salt Lake City, Utah Lighthouse Ministry in Salt Lake City, Christian Gift and Bible in Sandy, the Salt Lake City Library, Calvary Chapel Salt Lake City Bookstore, Christ Evangelical (laughs) Bookstore in Orem, and Gift of Grace Christian Supply in Springville. And it's, uh, you know, especially if you are looking to find out more about Mormonism from someone who was LDS without a real hard slant. It would be good for you if you're a Christian to read it. And if you're LDS and you want to know what it means to be born again and how that plays in uh, to your relationship with God, you might want to pick it up. You can always come online, www.bornagainmormon.com. And if you can't afford the book or if you're LDS and you refuse to buy it, we'll send it to you for free. Now, my friend Jay Larson down in uh, they told me not to call it Happy Valley anymore. They said to call it Apathy Valley, but I've been ref- in Provo Library, he told me that they, um, he s- asked them to carry the book, and Carla Zollinger, the reference manager, sent them a letter, and it said that their professional librarian who pu- purchases items for the religious collection has recommended that we not purchase the item, and she agrees with this decision, The reason that she agrees with this is because somebody wrote a review that's online that says there's no page numbers in the book, and it has many misspelling, grammatical, and typesetting errors. So uh, I want you to know, the Provo Library, that we, we came out with a second edition. The first edition was my pet project, and I didn't put page numbers in it just to annoy people. But the new edition has page numbers, large enough font to read, things like that, So we would love for you to carry it, Provo Library, and we'll send you a copy for free. You don't have to purchase it. So uh, maybe that news can get back to them that there's another edition with page numbers uh, out there. Okay, uh, what else is going on? I hope you'll forgive me for the April Fool's joke of last week. We received no small amount of response from that dastardly trick. The most humorous and sad was from a young woman who said she burst out into tears and ran screaming through the house. They've gotten to him. They've gotten to him. (laughs) We also had an 85-year-old woman tell me she grasped her chest and was certain it was the big one. So uh, I want to promise you it won't happen again, at least for seven years. Uh, a number of you contacted us about my commenting on the lulling speak we hear at LDS conferences and at other, from other Mormon meetings. Uh, Grandpa Al told me that uh, all groups centered on controlling their members use speech modification like this. Lana wrote and said, I just wanted to comment on the subject of LDS speak. You refer to the tone and matter. The LDS give talks and bear their testimonies. I remember being taught that the LDS church is true. But I would not say that after I became an adult. I would only say that I believe the gospel of Jesus Christ was true. This was my first rebellion, I think, as a member. I remember when I used to f- when I used to follow what I was told even inside my heart, it didn't feel right. The words beguiled, mesmerized, hypnotized come to my mind every time I think of sitting or watching a state conference or conference on TV. LDS speech is mesmerizing. We are being beguiled into believing and doing uh, what they say. Think of how we talk to people and calm people and try to manipulate people, especially maybe those who are having a mental breakdown. It sounds like the same type of language. Have you ever watched a show where someone is being hypnotized? They they soft sing-song modulated tones are the same. It takes a lot of mental uh, effort to break away from these hypnotic forces. It feels wonderful when you finally break away from them. Uh, We had several emails commenting on that, and I just thought I would read uh, hers. So I think she and Al are onto something there. An article in the uh, morning news, Deseret Morning News, it seems like uh, there's a new grand master for the first time in a century who is LDS in the state of Utah for Freemasonry, Glenn Cook. A Salt Lake criminal defense attorney and Brigham Young University Law School graduate is believed to be the first member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints to be elected Grand Master in Utah for nearly a century, overseeing the activities of several lodges around the state and looking to make the group more uh, open to public understanding. Uh, Glenn said, uh, I mean, Glenn Cook said later in the article, there's no question that elements of the LDS Temple Endowment and Masonic ritual are similar the question of faithful Latter-day Saints is whether that makes a difference. I tend to be rather a rather concrete thinker. For those who accept Joseph Smith as a prophet and believe he actually saw God and Jesus Christ in vision as a precursor to the restoration of Christ's ancient church, then I re- uh, then the rest I would suggest should be a corollary of that belief. He says, quote, I think sometimes we spend too much time worrying about issues that don't really matter to our salvation. Uh, Just to let you know, when you are a member of the LDS Church and you sit in meetings, if you bring up a question that is difficult, one of the thought-killing cliches that comes up is somebody in the group will say, now is that really important to our salvation? and then automatically the the questioner just shuts up and everybody, and they move on to the next thing they, they want you to talk about. So he uses that thought killing cliche right there when people say, look at the parallels between Freemasonry and Mormonism. he there says in the press, does that really matter to our salvation? One of the first thing President Monson has done as a president for the LDS church was to accept a meeting with Affirmation, a gay Mormon support group that has unsuccessfully tried to have a meeting with the LDS church for the past 30 years. It says here in ksl.com that affirmation has tried five or six times over the past 31 years to meet with church leaders. This is their second response. The first resulted in platitudes and nothing more. In February, just three days after 80-year-old Monson was named president for the 13 million member church, Affirmation petitioned the news leader to meet and begin an unprecedented conversation about gays in the church. Brown and Riley, the two members of the church, were asked by President Monson to meet with Affirmation on his behalf. This is a groundbreaking meeting. And uh, it says about 2000, that Affirmation is about 2,000 gay and lesbian and transgender members worldwide. An official meeting with anyone in the church has been unprecedented. It was founded by, in secret by gay students at BYU in 1977. Affirmation has traditionally been ignored by church leaders. And it goes on to say that um, LDS Family Services with offices across the country is the only church-endorsed source for counsel for gay members and their families. And these therapists are supported by the church as being reputable and worthy of treating their members for their issues. But gay Mormons say the agency's track record of assistance is marked by a lack of understanding and a prescription for clinical treatments that were sometimes horrific and painful. Quote, my personal story, I got recommended for electroshock therapy. They told me to hate and be angry at my parents for making me gay, said Rob Killian, a Seattle physician who has frequently spoken publicly about his experiences with the LDS Family Services. They've destroyed families. We see this tide changing. This is an interesting thing. We've kept our finger on it. We've talked about Dallin Oaks speaking about this subject, and we're going to see more and more things occurring within Mormonism related to the gay Uh, and lesbian issue. Okay, let's uh, begin with a word of prayer. Dear Lord, we love you and we thank you for this airtime. We uh, pray for your spirit to be with those who are watching and open up doors uh, in their heart and mind to hear more and to search and to look for you, to go to you and seek for truth. Lord, we pray for this and praise your name in Jesus name. Amen. If you've watched the show long enough, uh, you may have heard me say something like, a good teacher, when they open up the math book to teach math, if a sparrow flies in the room, that teacher will put the math book down and start teaching about sparrows. Well, I want to try to be a good teacher here on the show. And I had the entire show written as of last Friday, but all week long, I kept having sparrows fly into my path. Um, This morning, I couldn't ignore them any longer. And so we're going to continue on next week, God willing, to talk about the the Christian scripting. And we're going to talk about Act 2. Act 1 was the setup of everything within Mormonism. Act 2 is the conflict. And we'll explain that again. But now let's talk about some sparrows. Thomas S. Monson was sustained as prophet seer and revelator of the uh, church last weekend. The Salt Lake Tribune reported that Monson, quote, invited the less active, the offended, the critical, the transgressor to come back and, quote, feed at the table of the Lord and taste again the sweet and satisfying fruits of fellowship with the saints, end quote. It's one thing to say this, President Monson, it sounds very nice and everything, it sounds like something Jesus would say, but do you really want this to occur? Do, you, do your members really want those who are less active, those who have been offended, those who are critical of Mormonism, and those who are sinful to come back into the church? I would have to say from everything I've seen as a Latter-day Saint and not, that no, you do not want us all back. Why? Because you've never really wanted us in in the first place. Last night, we had a traveling pastor in American Fork where we met at a restaurant. We had a wonderful time meeting with a number of different people. I want to thank you all for coming out. I met with a young woman with her cute husband and handsome girls. You can reverse that. And she told me that her parents were alcoholics, both alcoholics when she grew up in Utah, and they were all members of the church. And she said, I was only a little girl, and I really liked going to church and everything. And then one day, I turned completely from God and all religion when the bishop took me aside and told me out of nowhere that she and her family were not worthy to be members of the church. She expressed to me how she was just this little girl with all sorts of family problems who really needed help at this time in her life, but only found herself personally rejected by this heartless attitude. Why would this attitude exist, President Monson? Why does this attitude exist, President Monson? I sat with a family whose children attended public school in a predominantly LDS community, not far south from here. The family recently chose to leave the church after watching the show. In this community, the high school seminary teacher for the LDS church somehow has been allowed to run most of the activities for the kids in the school. He thought it would be a righteous act to print the list of all the LDS kids who do not attend seminary and then to distribute those lists to the student body at large. You should have seen this sweet little 15-year-old girl who trying to explain what it's like to go to a school filled with LDS kids who taunt her for not attending seminary. When Gordon B. Hinckley died, the same seminary teacher led a wear your Sunday best to school in honor of the passing of Gordon B. Hinckley. Text messages passed this message along, and naturally it left five kids in the entire student body there wearing their normal clothes and who have forever been looked down upon and criticized by the rest of the students. Our heart goes out to the kids who face junk like this every day. You have got it tough. May God strengthen you. May you turn to the God of heaven to help you get through these situations that exist all over this state. But you're not alone. It happens at every age. I met a woman last night who was told by an LDS city official that her legitimate business services of sign making were not wanted in the predominant LDS community she recently moved into. She had been she has been repeatedly pestered and this was seconded by a woman she does a Bible study with and antagonized by the civic offices of the of this LDS hometown. Come back and feast at the table, President Monson. Could a man who loves God but smells like tobacco come back and be welcomed at the feast, President Monson. How about a family of six, the wife working as a clerk at the local Piggly Wiggly and the husband working as a a security guard who likes coffee? Could he come back with his kids and come to the Capitol Hill ward here in Salt Lake City, President Monson? Would you like him sitting next to you on the stand? How do your wards and, and stakes accept, and I mean love and accept, unwed mothers, Tattooed bad boys and unemployed men with mental illnesses or a couple of divorces under their belt? How do you help them taste again the sweet and satisfying fruit of fellowship with the saints? What about all those people who are just simply different, who don't meet up to the LDS standards of socioeconomic uh, position, or who are just different or who dress differently? How are they welcomed? Why do the stories like I heard last night fill my inbox every week from people who have left this church? How come I continue to hear these, President Monson? I wanna tell you why here and now. It's because of your doctrine. It's because of your doctrine. It's the direct result of non-Christian doctrines flowing through unregenerated hearts of people who call themselves active Latter-day Saints. All of your general conference speeches about treating people of other faiths and beliefs and people who are different with love don't mean a dang thing. If your doctrines do not change, lead them to Jesus, President Monson. Lead them to Jesus and to Jesus alone. Because it is only through him that your members will truly be able to love others who are not like them. Because it is only when they see themselves as vile sinners, President Monson, self-centered, egocentric sinners, that they are going to be able to turn and look at others with love. It will not happen when Utopian speeches are delivered of treating everyone of different faiths and coming back to the feast. It's like Jesus whispering his message into Pharisees' ears. Your people, President Monson, have come to believe that they are somehow worthy and somehow justified by God by virtue of their own righteousness. Your doctrines have made them believe that they are on their way to Godhood. Your leaders taught just last week that you stand as at the head of the only true and living church on the face of this earth, President Monson, and you think with doctrines and positions and attitudes like this that you're going to have a group of active members who are going to embrace people who can't live up to those standards or who have failed to live up to those standards? You've got to be kidding. Only Jesus can do it, not Mormonism, not activity, not teleprompted speeches, only Jesus. Tell them that, President Monson. Tell them to fall broken before him, to confess their sins, to repent of the past, and to humble themselves before him. Tell them to ask to be saved by his grace. Tell your members that, President Monson, and then maybe you can offer this invitation for the people to come back into the church. My friends, I want you to know that we are standing on the field of an imminent ideological war. The LDS church today is beginning to take up arms and we are going to see a more militant attitude among the members and leaders alike. At the top end, apostles like Ballard, Holland, and Nelson are presenting one side of this front. Listen to their speeches of late. Listen to what they are saying. It's unheard of. We have never heard them speak like this before. They're fighting strongly for legitimacy while at the same time demanding respect for tainted views that they insist are truth. These men are not dumb. They will use whatever means necessary to sway their membership and convince the masses that they are innocent of their own bigotries and benign in their beliefs. And then on another level, the higher-ups are allowing non-official defenders of the faith to meet and greet with the masses so as to spin traditional lds stance and make it seem more christian men like professor bob millett are allowed and they're even financially underwritten by the lds church to step into christian churches i talked about this i went to one in newport beach california where i live Bob Millet steps into a a large Christian church down there and he talks about a Mormonism that is not Mormon doctrine. And he says, that's not what I believe when he's questioned about Mormon doctrine, that's not what I believe and he's allowed to do this. Why would Mormon leadership allow on one end of the spectrum people to go out and say one thing and then from the top end to reassure the members of another thing? They wanna muddy the waters and they wanna present spin to get the unlearned to trust that Mormonism is a a valid Christian position. Additionally, we will more and more see Mormonism pulling the bigotry card. They will cry hate speech as much and more than any group who seeks to be accepted in the spiritual and uh, religious world. A recent article in the LA Times titled, U.S. Muslim and Mormons Share Deepening Ties is a must read for anyone interested in this rising tide. You can find it Uh, go to latimes.com and you can read the article. There's only one defense, and that defense is to know the Word of God, to read the Word of God, study the Word of God, and teach your children the Word of God. It's the only defense you're going to have, in addition to prayer, to be able to see what is going on that has been prophesied that would go on in these last days. I know I sound like I'm a little bit on the mountaintop screaming, but I'm telling you, The stuff that comes before us more and more is accelerating and it's becoming very, very ecumenical. And I'm not one for hate speech, but we have to be very careful, just very careful. Last week, I said we were going to talk about um, the uh, paradigm and I was going to go through that. But before I do that, I want to make uh, one thing clear. If Mormonism today were not claiming to be Christian, if Mormonism today was not claiming to be Christian, or the only true church on the face of the earth, if they didn't present themselves as believing completely in the Bible, I would not do this show, really. In fact, I'll make a deal with you, President Monson. You come out and you announce to the world that you are not Christian, and I'll unplug the show forever. You say we are not Christian. We do not believe in the Christian ideals. Say that publicly. I think it'd be a good deal. You notice that we don't attack the Muslims, we don't attack Islam, right? The reason we don't attack them is they don't claim to be Christian. We believe they have the right to, to profess and teach the things that they teach. We don't uh, suck unsuspecting people uh, in, uh, Islam doesn't sus- uh, suck unsuspecting people in by saying they're Christian and then twist and put them into a legalistic system. So we, I don't attack uh, Islam, They want to have that religion, they're going to have it, and it goes on. We don't attack Judaism because they don't claim to be Christian. We don't attack atheists or pagans or witches. They don't claim to be Christian. But we go after Latter-day Saints because more and more they are making a worldwide media-oriented claim to represent themselves not only as Christian, but as the only true Christian church on the face of this earth adding to this unconscionable front mormonism has maligned and besmirched biblical christianity from the first vision on i have i don't have the time i have six pages here of quotes from joseph smith brigham young john taylor daniel wells orson pratt heber c kimball george q cannon wilford woodruff erastus snow b.h roberts parley p pratt james talmud spencer kimball joseph fielding smith bruce mcconkey saying the most vile things you can imagine about Christianity. And they call us the bigot. They say we're bigoted because we just say, look it, we want you to stand on what you believe and don't bring yourself onto our turf. Let me ask you one final question before we go to the phones, 801-973-8820, 801-973-TV20, one question. If a Russian man snuck into this country Could he step on the ground and say, I'm an American citizen? Would the U.S. government recognize him as an American citizen? They would not. They would say, you're not an American citizen. You are a Russian who escaped and came to this country. All right? Would they be bigoted for saying that? They would not. They would simply be stating a fact and if the, if the Russian citizen said well I want to become an American citizen they would say okay what you need to do is you need to take some oaths you need to do some study and you need to raise your hand you need to promise certain things okay and if he did that and he went through the whole process and he got to go and he got to become an American citizen then they would say you're an American citizen now what if that Russian at the swearing-in said I swear that I will give all my my life and all my money and all my time to supporting my motherland, Russia. What would would they do? They'd say, well, you're not not going by the oath. You can't do that. That's not part of the ceremony. It's the same thing with Mormonism. They've stepped here into the Christian country where millions of men and women and children have lost their lives, given blood, standing up for the word of God. They've stepped on this turf, and they said, we're Christian too. You have to accept this because we have Jesus in the name of our church. But there are so many things that are not Christian. I hope that you understand from this little dialogue, from all these sparrows coming into the room, I hope you understand the purpose of our ministry and this show. It is to help Latter-day Saints see that no matter how often you claim you're Christian, the Christian community looks in and says, you're not. Why is that? ask that question to us why aren't we Christian and maybe we'll give you some answers that might help you see the differences as to why okay let's go to Jimmy Salt Lake City on line one Jimmy you're on Heart of the Matter
2: hi Sean hi I just want to say a couple things about this and I've lived in Salt Lake for a long time but I've been around outside of Salt Lake but one thing I want to say is that the problem with this is that people don't realize the equitability of the way God looks at us, there is not, when God looks at us according to the scripture, there is no one who is more of a sinner than another, nor is there one who's more righteous. You, you can't get into a thing like the corporate churches do, with that you're more sinful, therefore less worthy, or you're more saved, therefore you're more holy. <laughs> right? You, there is not a degree of being saved, there's not a degree of sin. It's yeah. the same... Uh, the equity is the same. The other thing is is that corporate churches, when they become corporations, and they become, they don't have the living God, Jesus Christ, as their center. They have the idea or the name of Jesus like a centerpiece, which they all tend to use or rotate around. That's why in the scriptures, that Paul said, some say you follow Paul, some say you follow Christ, some say you follow these other people. That's where... It's where the, the, the doctrines and things become centerpieces rather than the living God being the on the throne in that person. That's where it becomes replaced. We can't substitute anything for the Lord. There can be no substitute whether we're trying to substitute the way we interpret Scripture or even the Eucharist. And that cannot be a substitute. God is the living God. He is real. He, he's not something we create and use as a centerpiece. I think the big problem about worthiness or unworthiness is, is that there is no degree of sinfulness nor is there degrees of righteousness in human beings amen and that's all I want to say
1: well said Jimmy okay thank, thank you so much bye-bye god bless bye-bye we, we make the comparison in our book for the LDS readers when you die and go before God who does not stand the least degree of sin if you have a pinpoint of sin in you that hasn't been taken care of you've lived a really good life but you've got a one little, pinhead of sin in you, you'll be rejected as much as a person who lived an entire life of sin. You understand that? Sin is sin in God's eyes. Yes, there are different ramifications to us here on this earth. Yes, if you if you uh, commit murder and do things like that, you're going to have a very different result here on earth. But God, sin is sin. And you're gone. You're gone if it hasn't been taken care of by the right person. And there's only one person, Jesus. Okay, let's go to Miguel in West Valley. Miguel, you're on Heart of the Matter.
3: Hey, brother. How you doing?
1: Doing well. How are you?
3: I'm doing good. I just wanted to say um, I, I went downtown this Sunday to the last session of the conference just to walk around and just kind of see what everybody else was doing, and I had no intention of really going out and witnessing to Mormons or anything, but while I was out there, um, I uh, kind of got caught up in it and started witnessing and, and just talking to the Mormons, and one, I wanted to say two things really quick. One is that whenever I would ask a, whenever they would ask a question as soon as I tried to answer it they would they would stop me and go on to something else and and they kept mocking me and they, they'd laughed and they'd put their their hand out in you know like not in my face necessarily they didn't touch me but kind of like I don't want to hear what you got to say so finally I said well wait a minute why are you asking me questions if you don't want me to answer them well it's, it's, it's only obvious they didn't want an answer they just wanted to put me on on uh you know, whatever, on stage or whatever. <clears throat> and and that that's what I thought was interesting. Second of all, your analogy about the Russian was very interesting because I used something similar talking to a lady there and her and her kids. I said, if you came into this country illegally and you kept the law, kept all the laws and were a great citizen, all right, would that make you a legal alien? Would that make you legal in America? Would that make you a mm. United States citizen? And and uh she kept going back to something else, and I kept saying, well, you know, using, saying, oh, well, yeah, you know, if you, if you keep all the laws, you know. Um, I go, yeah, but if, the, if you got, if the cops found out you were illegal, they'd take you back to your country. And she'd say, yeah, well, that's because you broke a law. I go, exactly. I said, because you're, because we all have broken the law. I tried using the law. Right. Um, but, but basically the reason I called was because when you touched on how they respect other religions, there was really little respect out there. There yeah. was really very little respect. It was more of a let's see what we can do with these Christians. Let's see if we can get them to say something stupid, or let's just mock them, let's laugh at them, and and it was it was really sad. It was, Appreciate
1: the call, Miguel. All
3: right, God bless. Thank God bless you. Bye bye.
1: Yeah, uh, just to keep it going, uh, Brigham Young said, with regard to true theology, a more ignorant people never live in the present so-called Christian world. That's from Brigham, who we have a university named after him. John Taylor, what? Christians ignorant? Yes, as ignorant of the things of God as the brute beast. It's in Journal of Discourses, 625. I'll keep reading these in between calls. Let's go to Ron uh, from Taylorsville, first-time caller. Ron, you're on Heart of the Matter.
4: Hi there, nice talking to you you too hey listen um you know this uh this nerve that you struck in me uh, I just wanted to first of all preface what I'm going to say by saying that you know I'm not really happy with anybody that's intolerant to anybody, but I wanted to share with you that you know I was telling the screener that you know I consider myself a refugee from two families you know i I have very strong l d s ties to both my paternal and maternal side of my family and you know, uh, my father, you know, he was kind of a heavy drinker, and his family, very LDS, you know, I always remember as a child, there was always that little black mark that they seemed to place on him. And as I've grown up and come in, you know, I felt like i have never really been a part of his family, and I've always felt that, that, you know, that feeling that, you know, that, you know, I'm not good enough to to be around these people. And so, i I've, you know, I've tended to rebel, and, and I've kind of, been a little stinker sometimes.
1: Hard to believe, John Ron, hard to believe.
4: But you know, the point I'm making is that, uh, you know, they say come and feast at the table, you know, but from my experience, you know, I was 20 years in the club, and uh, from my experience, you know, I would be afraid right now if I decided to go back, whether I would be feasting or be the feasted.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's a really good point.
4: Uh, it, it's it's it, the intolerance and the ostracision that that takes place is is something that, that took me out a long time ago it's you know there was a wonderful little family you know they were very poor i mean dirt poor they they couldn't they, i know one of your favorite things is the old white shirt and uh, <laughs> top coat you know kind of thing yeah you know they, they couldn't afford that they they had very humble beginnings and <laughs> Uh, I remember one time it was at a very early age, they came to church and they got they got a blast for coming to church not dressed up properly and the shoes weren't. Sh- I know the issue was the sh- unshined shoes.
1: Unbelievable. Even at
4: that age, I, I remember talking about, hey, wait a minute, why, why are we here? I mean, so Jesus couldn't come to church because he's wearing sandals or something, you right. know?
1: You know, Ron, you uh, make a really good point. Um, and if you go to uh, the Bible and you read about the type of people that Jesus talk to you, and then he told us how to be with people and how to be ourselves it's the absolute opposite of that it's the opposite of what you see embodied in that religion and it's just it's frankly amazing it's just amazing
4: it's very hurtful when someone you've always been you've grown up and you know you love your family but then you're not quite good enough you know and you're always you're never you're never up to that standard you know you're always less like you were talking about you know <laughs> you're never going to make it man no. you're never good enough
1: Ron I got to ask you one thing what are you doing now
4: I'm downstairs trying not to listen to the television right I now.
1: I, I don't mean right now but I mean in your in your religious walk
4: Oh um, you know I'm uh, I've I've been uh, I would call myself independent you know I I've uh, been in a situation where you know, I, I I like, you know, I've prioritized, it's Jesus first, you know. Okay, And are, are, have you
1: been able to get to a, a Christian church and hear the word taught at all, Ron? Um,
4: actually, no, I've been a little arrogant and thought that I can interpret it all myself. So. I
1: understand, and you probably have interpreted a lot of it very well, but just do one thing, Ron, just go, I mean, Taylorsville, I, I wish we had a list here, but there are great churches all around that area. Go find a church that teaches the Word and just step into one. Just, just, sure. it, please, sure. will you call us back and tell us how it went?
4: Yeah, and and one, and one the last thing I want to tell you is, you know, you talking to that guy in Illinois, you know, it reminds me of trying to talk to people like that. It's like the guy standing on the street corner hitting himself with a baseball bat, and somebody said, why are you doing that? He says, well, because it feels good when I stop. <laughs> Enjoy.
1: Thanks a lot, man.
4: Taking the call. Bye-bye.
1: Bye. Daniel H. Wells, Mormon Apostle, the Christianity of the period will never make the people acquainted with God in the world. It will never bring them to eternal life as spoken of in the scriptures. It is an utter impossibility. In the first place, they do not know anything about God. And in the second place, they apparently don't want to know anything about him. They have reared a superstructure in the earth, which is false. Let's go to Mike in Boise from online four. Mike, you're on heart of the matter. Mike, you gotta turn your TV down.
5: Yeah, I'm here.
1: Yeah, turn your TV down, brother. I am. Alright. You're on the air. Hello? You're on the air, Mike.
5: Oh, he's talking.
1: Yeah, it's me. You're on the air.
5: Oh hey, Mike. I'm sorry.
1: No, I'm I'm Sean. I almost oh, said no, I'm Mike.
5: Sorry. I had a quick question for you. Okay. Um I I I work for a, a Mormon owned company up here in Boise. Yes. And I I find them to be very prejudiced. Okay. And what I don't understand is that um, in, in business, they don't bring in um, their spirituality as far as that is concerned. It's, it's more or less, uh, there's, there's nothing brought into the business world. It's, it's more or less your spirituality is separate from your business. Right. And, and what I don't understand is, 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 is that part, I guess. Is what I'm
1: asking. Well, you know, it might be in your specific case. I know that that happens a lot. I think you might find that in other religions too. Uh, you know, some people, they just, they leave their Christianity or they leave their Mormonism on Sunday and they walk out and they're, they're just out for themselves for the rest of the week. I have known LDS businessmen who bring Mormonism into everything they do. So I've seen the opposite. So it might just be your specific uh, industry or, or your employer. But uh, it's unfortunate when anybody doesn't live their faith that they say is, uh, is a part of their heartfelt uh, beliefs.
5: Well, my question is, is about the prejudice.
1: When you say prejudice, what do you mean?
5: I mean as far as um, remarks about um, anybody that's not white.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, again, uh, I can say, and LDS aren't going to like this, but I mean that's, that's in the roots of the church. You can go back and you can read some of the most horrific things from Marky Peterson and from McConkie and from Brigham Young that are the most racist comments you can imagine. But, uh, you know, they say it was a sign of the times. And, you know, the LDS, we've talked about their view of the pre-existence and that the inferior races come to the earth because they didn't make wise choices in the pre-existence and they come with a darkened skin and that those who are born into Mormonism were the white and delightsome people, man. And and the Book of Mormon even teaches that the Indians, if they were obedient, would turn white over time. So, I mean, racism and, and prejudice regarding skin color is all through the roots of Mormonism. Uh, now, that may carry out to some people today. The church has done a lot and tried to do a lot to to escape from that, but it's it's still there, and it's still in the hearts of many of the people who believed it um, back when I was a kid. My gosh. Yeah.
5: I never knew that.
1: Yep. Not, so you might be—how old are the guys you're working with?
5: Uh, they're younger.
1: <laughs> well, maybe they've been influenced by their parents, but, I mean, it used—I mean, they used to just talk, just frankly, out of sheer prejudice. When I was but eight, ten years old, I mean, it was just yeah, that. I feel,
5: I feel that. Uh, I feel that sometimes it's not fair.
1: Yeah, it, it's not fair. And
5: it's very, you know, sometimes it can be uncomfortable. I'm from the south, but it just uh, kind of strange.
1: Well, stand up, stand up against it. Make them uh, see that Jesus wasn't about that, and God is the one who created the races, not uh, not sin, preexistence, or Mormonism.
5: Well, I understand that. That's that's the way I feel about it. But it, it just kind of makes me feel that, uh, that um, you know, if you if you believe in Christ or you believe in, in God, that that you bring that to your to your forefront um, as a superior or whatever you are.
1: Yeah. Well, you'd hope that would happen. Great call. Thanks so much, Mike. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. That's a fruit of Mormonism. Bottom line today, racism still exists because of those doctrines. Another fruit of Mormonism, I met two people last night who have relatives. Fruit of Mormonism is atheism. Absolutely a fruit of Mormonism because when people find out the facts about it, Often, if they don't have Jesus in their life, they turn to believing in nothing, and they go the way of the world, and then they start believing in metaphysics uh, and, and spiritual things and, and all kinds of crazy stuff. So that is another fruit of Mormonism that needs to be considered. Let's go to Anne in Layton, first-time caller. Anne, you're on Heart of the Matter.
6: Hello, this is Barb. Anne. And Hi, Anne. Anyway, i uh, really quite i um, upset about all the immigration being brought in by the Mormon Church. They hide these people. They, I've seen in my own neighborhood a lot of Guatemalan families. And then if police are coming around or inspectors or anything, all of a sudden they all disappear, you know, and go elsewhere. And I know in Salt Lake they've got a whole set up, and that little girl was murdered with another group of immigrations people that are being brought in by the Mormon people. And what do you know on this? I mean,
1: I know nothing about that at all. Um, I, I have I don't have a problem with people being brought in if uh, you know to our country. I mean, that's how our country was founded. I don't know. I've seen nothing about LDS being behind secretly bringing in Guatemalans and things, and and having them run for the police. Uh, so it's completely out of my purview. I have no idea.
6: Well, it, you know, the, what bothers me is, you know, and you made that statement about when people apply to become Americans, there are certain things that they have to do yeah. in order to become an American, and then they they. Support America, yeah. but when they're being brought in under the church, that's illegal, 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 illegal.
1: Well, if someone can call and give us some, you know, some really hardcore empirical data on that, then it would be good. Really appreciate the call, Anne. All right, thank you. Okay, bye bye. I should have used a different analogy. All right, we're going to uh, Mike in Ogden. Mike, you're on Heart of the Matter. Oh uh, yes, Sean, I want
7: to make a real quick comment, and I want to ask you a question. for you to explain about the resurrection that I don't understand. I'm not Mormon anymore. I'm born again. I got your book. A comment is... uh, Brigham Young, he said in the Journal of Discourses, that um he it's in the Journal of Discourses. He says I've never given a sermon where I wasn't now I'm not reading the Journal of Discourses right now, but you know I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. Where I didn't, he said, where I wasn't under the Holy Spirit being guided by this, you know, the Spirit and uh, as a prophet, but right. he said that there were men on the moon, they were eight feet tall, dressed in the Quaker style.
1: That was Joseph who said that. that Brigham isn't the one who said the uh, the men on the moon. Uh, I thought it was Brigham. No, that wasn't Brigham. That was Joseph.
7: Okay. Now, can I but, ask you this? The resurrection, I don't understand this about the resurrection. Can you explain this to me, please? Yeah. Okay. If we, When we die, we're to be judged, heaven or hell, right? Yes. Okay. Then why do we need to, if we go to heaven or hell, why do we need to be, resu- our bodies be resurrected? I don't understand why we need both.
1: And I'll get off the air and listen. Well, know, wait, before carry- you go, before you go, let me restate your question so I understand it. If there, we're going to heaven or to hell, why do we need bodies to go there?
7: Why, why, why do we need, no, 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 why do we need to, um, eventually the resurrection day, you know, the coming of Christ when he, he resurrects the body. Why do we need our body if we can go to these places without the body?
1: Oh, okay. Uh, very good question. I'll answer it off air. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. Uh <laughs> I mean, uh, Jesus was resurrected to show that we live again. I mean, that we, we have life again. And so uh, he took his body up, and that's why Jesus has retained his body, because he's going to come back with it. So he comes back with his body to show he is who he is, shows to the prince in, in his hands on the Mount of Olives. But um, we take our body as resurrected beings, and we don't know that we're going to get the same model. I don't know if we're gonna be restricted to a, a body. I hope I, I get a new body, a trimmer waist, and, and I can eat what I want. And maybe we'll be metallic spaceships. I don't, maybe we we'll have a new, improved version. We just don't know. But we know that God, in His wisdom, having a body, having a physical form, because we were created in a physical form, is important. So the resurrection, following through that life again, gives us hope that we don't just go into the grave and, and rot and dust and nothing ever happens again. The resurrection of Jesus showed us, hey, he died, but he came back. That, that was evidence of life again, and that gives us hope that we can have the same thing. What happens to this model of body that we have thereafter? I don't, I, I don't know the answer to that. Let's go to Michael, first-time caller from Orem. He's LDS. Michael.
8: We don't know the
0: it's
1: Man, I sound pretty good on that TV, don't I? You're on the air, Michael.
0: Oh, I must be real delayed. I'm really, really sorry. It's okay. I I, I couldn't hear because it was delayed, and the streaming video is pretty pretty slow, and I got a lot of. I got a lot of stuff, but anyway, my question to you is: uh, I'm a member of this church. I moved from Texas, and
1: I couldn't tell.
0: I'm sorry. What'd you say?
1: I said I could. I was being funny. Forget it.
0: Oh, okay. Uh, I just, uh, you know, I'm not sure on a couple of things on basically why, have you uh, you don't pick out any other religion besides the Mormons to go after, and I I just don't understand why. And well, that, i just are trying to figure out about the church a little bit more, because I'm a fairly new member, and I don't understand where you're going with it, because you don't go after anybody else.
1: Well, let me explain, Michael, just really quick, and then you can ask your next question. Uh, I was LDS for 40 years. I went on a mission, married in the temple, a high priest, seminary teacher, bishopric, stake high council. I bought into it. I lived it. I tried to to see what it was about. I tried to believe in everything. I didn't always believe in everything. But, Michael, I discovered that there were so many things about it that were in conflict with what was taught to me and with what was in the Bible. Now, having been LDS and having members of my family and people I love and entire stakes and wards back home and then the church as a whole here, I know Mormonism. So I... I talk to people to help them see and help them unfetter themselves from the bonds of Mormonism. Now I said earlier that we don't pick on other religions, one, because I don't understand them like I should if I was going to, but two, they don't claim to be Christian. You know, and Mormonism is out there telling the world they're Christian and that really is offensive to me. And so, having you studied the Bible and, and knowing it a little bit, I want people to know the differences between biblical Christianity and what Mormonism is about, and that's what our show's about.
0: Can I respond now? Yes. So my, my thing is, there's a lot of people in Utah that just ain't smart. And that's just, I and mean, that goes for Mormons, non Mormons, I don't really care. It's up in Utah, man. That place is crazy. I live here and I just hate it. Uh, it's just, it's terrible. But, so you might not have that many sophisticated cars on the show and you know that's that's kind of the problem, see, I'm fairly new member, but I do know that, you know, you know, it's really hard to live this church and some people get excommunicated and saying that they're not excommunicated so they have the records removed. Now come on, Sean, you know the name of the game. Oh you know I know you, Sean. Come on now. I'm going to bring it to my doorstep, because,
1: boy, I think oh, you're, I'm coming, I, baby. I think, are you still there? Are you still there? He just threatened me. Did you hear it? Yeah. You got to hear You gotta hear that replay that. He said, watch out on your doorstep, because I'm, I'm coming. All right. Uh, let's go to uh, Jenny XLDS on line one. Jenny, you're on Heart of the Matter.
9: Hi, uh, Sean. Um I, I actually emailed you some information about Iosepa. About what? The town of Yosepa. Oh,
1: yeah, yeah. I'm going to cover that on a, in a show or two.
9: Oh, OK. Then I, I won't. I don't want to touch on that unless you want me to.
1: Well, touch on it really quickly. Tell the people what it's about.
9: OK, Iosepa is a ghost town out in Skull Valley where um, the Polynesians go every year to celebrate their Mormon ancestry. And we went for the first time probably three years ago. And at the time, we were LDS. And we thought, oh, this is a great celebration. But then we noticed, why couldn't they give them another piece of land? Why did they have to separate them from all the states? You know, there, I don't know if you've been out there, but it's literally there's one tree in the whole valley.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I'm gonna, I, since I got that information from you, I'm checking it out and uh, talk to resources, Sandra Tanner at utlm.org and, and a few others and find out what I can, more I can find out about it so I can report on it uh, factually.
9: Yeah, It's very uh,
1: interesting, though, Jenny.
9: Yeah, it, it's Memorial Weekend. People can go and celebrate, and it's, it's a beautiful celebration. But my question is, is what do they celebrate? It's, yeah. it's just so sad that that's a point blank in their face that they were created less than
1: the rest. Well, we'll check that out. I really appreciate the information and follow-up. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. Wilfred Woodruff said, the gospel of modern Christendom shuts up the Lord, stops all communication with him. I want nothing to do with such a gospel. I would rather prefer the gospel of the dark ages, so called. Uh, let's go to Raymond from Pleasant Grove on line two. Raymond, you're on Heart of the Matter.
8: Hey, Sean, just a couple of quick questions. Can you please define for me what an apostle is?
1: A one called. A a one sent.
8: Call. Is that all that
1: an apostle is? One called, one sent. Uh, well, I mean, if we're just talking about that Greek, the Greek word, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what it really is narrowed down to.
8: Okay, for me an apostle was somebody who saw the resurrected Christ and was called by Christ himself.
1: Well, I would agree with that too. But we have apostles today, uh, the, the office of apostle today still, uh, I mean the, uh, the position of apostle today has not been done away with in the, in the sense of one cent. Uh, and so that's why I just gave it that basic um, uh, definition. But I would agree when it came to the 12 apostles, they had to be a special witness of him. Miracles had to follow those men, and uh, uh, they had to be first-hand witnesses of him, so I would agree with that.
8: Okay, can you also define for me what a prophet is? Uh,
1: Well, it's interesting you're saying that, because in our show next week, which I prepared for this week, we talk all about prophets, and there is a whole plethora of things which prophets can be ascribed to in the Old Testament. But it's not just one who speaks of the uh, future or tells of future events. But let's just say that's what it is, someone who tells future events.
8: It seems to me that uh, the the, uh, old Israelites were confused about who to follow. And uh, God pretty much told them, listen, you know which one is sent of me, which one uh, is divinely inspired, because he will be able to prophesy.
1: Yeah. And then there's, there's rules for whether he's a true prophet or not that we find. And, and if their prophecies come true, we know they are. And if they don't, we know they're a liar.
8: Right, yeah. right. Hey, quick question. You first took a call tonight from a fellow Jimmy that put all sin on an even plane. And I have a hard time with that because, uh, you know, there are a few examples there like uh, Jesus saying, don't bother with the splinter in your brother's eye when you got a beam in your own eye. Yeah. You know, there's another one about uh, when uh, he was handed over to Pilate that uh, Judas was guilty of a greater sin. It seems to me that Judge, that, that Jesus is, is the judge yeah. of these lesser and greater offenses.
1: Yeah. And I agree with you in that sense, but what he was trying to get through, I believe, was that, you know, to God, sin is sin. It's, if you start putting sin in a hierarchy in a church, what you start doing is saying, well, you know, I may be a gossip, but that guy, he smokes. And so, and that's a worse sin. So it's, it, what it does is it, it gives this environment of pointing fingers. And so if you just realize the title of sinner, uh, it's, better, uh, it's a better uh, word than trying to segregate and decide which sins are worse. Yes, I, I would agree with you that there are, there's a worse sin. And we will be judged according to those, especially as members of the body of Christ. But when it, what he's trying to do is saying, when you start putting sin into a hierarchy within a religion, you start to have trouble. And I would agree with him on that.
8: I see, I see. Okay. Hey, good, well, good well, comments. I have, have a hard time uh, understanding which sins might really offend God and separate me from His grace.
1: From his grace, uh, I, I don't know that any would, but uh, any sin, on the other hand, would separate uh, you from him without his grace. So hopefully that helps, okay. my friend. Thanks, Raymond. Thanks, short. Okay, bye-bye. bye-bye. Sujin in Salt Lake City, first-time caller. We got to go quickly. We have one minute, Sujin. You're on the air. Sujin?
9: Yes, uh-huh. You're
1: on the air. You have one minute.
9: I'm just calling in comment about uh, the comment that Anne made yes and um, they um, it's not the fact that they are they were sponsored by Catholic community and it's the United States opening up the border to let refu- let people into the United States so it doesn't have to uh, have all the Mormon church who... Oh. Uh, so, anyway... So uh, it's not
1: just the LDS who are bringing in the refugees, is what you're saying?
9: No, it isn't. Okay. And, and it's, it's because the United States opened up the immigration. that That's I see. why these people are able to come.
1: Thank you for that clarification, Sujin. Okay. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. I knew I shouldn't have used that example. Listen, uh, thank you guys for watching, and uh, I hope that you're able to see a need for Jesus in your life. If you haven't had a regenerative relationship with him, if you don't know what it means to be reborn, if you wonder um, why you don't feel the peace and love of God wrapped around you, um, search this out. Continue to seek for him. Email us if you have questions, www.bornagainmormon.com. Come to Lord's Word. Go to another Christian church. Seek out the Lord. Go to your knees and ask him for guidance. Tell him to show you the truth, and he will do it, I promise you. So uh, until next week, we're going to continue on with the scripting, the second act. It should be interesting. We're going to talk about apostles and prophets. We'll see you next week here on Heart of the Matter.
0: break my rusty cage. Oh, my